Hi there, and welcome back to Gravity, the digital marketing entrepreneur's podcast. I'm Bob Gentle, and every week I'm joined by creators, consultants, and practitioners who share what makes their business work. Whether you run your own business or you're just thinking of stepping out on your own for the first time, you're in the right place. If you're new to the podcast, then welcome along. Just take a second right now to subscribe to the show on your podcast player, and that way you won't miss new weekly episodes. And you can dig into some older ones when you finish this one. This week, my guest is Amy Woods from Content 10X. Amy started a business just two years ago. And in this episode, she shares the story of how that happened, what she's doing now, and her plans for growing. So welcome along and let's meet Amy. This week, I am delighted to welcome Amy Woods from Content 10X to the podcast. Amy, do you want to start by just introducing who you are, where you are, and the kind of work you do? Yeah, so thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate you inviting me. Um, So yeah, I'm based in Manchester in the UK, and my business is called Content 10X. So we are basically, uh, well, there's a few things that we do. So we're specialists in content repurposing. So we work with businesses that create content, whether it's podcast content, video content, and we provide a very niche um, uh, service. So, so a creative agency with a niche service, and we take original content and then turn that into lots of different formats, lots of different types of content to reach broader audiences, connect with more people. So that's what my business does at the core. We're a creative agency that very specialized. I also have a podcast, the Content 10X podcast. So um, if I'm not doing it for people, then I'm trying to teach people how to do it themselves as well through the podcast. Um, and then, yeah, I also have a blog. I've got a book coming out soon as well and more products and services coming, but it's everything about content repurposing basically. And what does a typical client look like for you? And also feel free to name names if you want to. (laughs) Yeah, so basically um, we work with clients across lots of different industries. Um, So there's no particular industry or niche as such that we work with or niche. (laughs) Um, But I think a typical client is somebody who is a leader or an influencer, I hate to say influencer, but it's true, a thought leader, uh, positioning themselves or they are a thought leader within a particular niche and creating content is really core to their marketing strategy and reaching their audiences. So for example, um, on your podcast, you know, people may be familiar with Chris Ducker Um, So he's a client of ours and we work with him to repurpose his podcast and produce and repurpose his podcast and get that to reach broader audiences through social media, his website and so on. Um, And then we also work with Jay Bear, again, he's in the digital marketing space, but we work with really, you know, much broader than that. So we work with quite a few dentists who are, again, not to do with their dental practices, but leaders in the dental industry, helping other dentists to grow their practices, grow their businesses. We work with people in the beauty industry. We work with a recruitment company, a, a treasury recruitment company, um, helping them with their podcast. So really varied. But if you could say one thing about them, they're thought leaders and influencers um, at the front of small businesses that are using content marketing as their key marketing strategy. And looking at your website, breaking down the kind of 
people that you work with. It's podcasters, YouTubers, and bloggers. Yeah, and live streamers as well. Yeah. Mm. Would you? I guess yeah. It's it's but it's video at the end of the day. Yeah. I guess maybe live streaming is one I'd like to come back to in a minute, but essentially you're looking at words, the spoken word, and the moving picture. From a repurposer's perspective, which of those gives you most potential? Well, the most potential is uh, video, without a doubt, because video and audio, you get audio from video. We don't get video from audio. <laughs> so um, so in, the, um, in an ideal world, the best starting place for repurposing content is video because um, from video you get audio, which can then go on into podcast content and so on but from video you get you know you can get so much more as well so you get everything you could get from a podcast and more because you've got that you've got video content to turn into lots of other forms of video as well and the reason i mentioned live stream as well is in in actual fact i think in the ideal world from a content creator's perspective if you are comfortable creating live content live video that's almost the utopia in terms of repurposing and reaching people in as many different ways as you can because you can segment a live show so that you have a section of it that's a bit like pre-recorded video where you are presenting on a topic and keeping it very core and focused but then you can also you know introduce into your live broadcast the, the live aspect so the interaction with your audience the community building engagement mm-hmm. and so on so you get all of that then you can take the um, you know, more focus segment and then go on and repurpose that into more content that doesn't have live aspects people might not want to watch on a replay. So I think in an ideal world, live is best, but whilst video is great, audio is also fantastic, but it, the, the perfect is video and, and live video kind of trumps that. Mm. A lot of the things that you do, they seem very, very time consuming. And obviously when when we encounter Content 10X, we encounter Amy Woods. <laughs> what sort of team do you have behind you there? Yeah, so I have um, an overall content kind of operations manager who is responsible. If you can imagine um, from, from our service perspective, so we have different clients and they all have services completely bespoke to them. So, you know, they're all on different platforms. They all... Uh, have different frequencies in terms of what we publish. They all have videos or podcasts that are different durations and all kinds of things. So there's absolutely no, um, you know, set package or, or, or like kind of tailor-made service. It, it is a tailor-made service, sorry. So we have all these different clients on different services, completely bespoke to them. And every single week we have content due to us and loads and loads and loads of content due out for everyone. So I have an overall um, operations content manager who's fantastic and um, she kind of manages that and then the content creators, so um, copywriters, um, graphic designers, video specialists, like video editing, multimedia specialists, audio, podcast production um, and yeah, really like the that's the key team. So it's an in-house, it's a content team, 
that people work, they work with us to be their kind of outsourced content team covering all of those different skill sets and then publishing as well. So content publishers. So that's the, the overall review, vetting of content and then publication on WordPress, YouTube, social platforms, et cetera, and understanding how all of that works from a publishing side as well. So um, a real spectrum of skill sets, basically. From a digital marketing perspective, it's like some complex embroidery in terms of the time management. <laughs> so what kind of systems do you have in place to make sure everybody gets the right thing in the right time? Well, I should probably start by saying that I, my background is management consultancy. I was a management consultant for 13 years and my specialism was change management, um, especially in the areas of like process improvement, working with and managing big kind of multi-hundred million dollar programs and things like that. So although this is very, very different to that, um, I use all the skills that I learned from there in terms of the project management and, and how to kind of bring it all together. But we just, we just have standard operating procedures for everything that we do. And we manage our, our number one tool that we work in day in, day out is Trello. So I know there's a lot of people either use Trello or Asana. So we use Trello, big fans of that. So we have that all mapped out. Every client has their own kind of separate Trello area and that's what we work from. We use Slack as our team communicator to be communicating with each other all of the time. And then we use Zoom for all of our team calls, which we have multiple times a week as well. So mm. just through effective communication, Slack and Zoom, and then through Trello and then Dropbox is our, where we keep everything on our Dropbox account. Uh, that's basically how we operate as a team. And I know one of the challenges that I've always had, and I think lots of people in our space when they try and scale have, is finding good people. Is your team sort of geographically distributed or are they all generally local to you? Um, it's a little bit of a mix, really. Um, may, yeah, actually 50-50. Um, the biggest challenge, um, hands down, for the uh, my business has been resourcing and finding the right people, like by far the biggest challenge. Um, and my business is, we all work from different locations. So even though my right hand um, my content manager actually lived about a 10 minute walk from my house, walk from a house, like two minute drive. We still, we, we don't have a physical location. So we work from our own home offices and then occasionally uh, try and keep at least every quarter, if not more. So we have away days, like where we get together and work from locations for a couple of days, but um, we're all dispersed. So number one challenge has been finding the right people um, because I think it adds additional complexity to finding the right person when you also aren't in a physical office because you're not just looking for um, the raw skills and ability, but you're looking for maturity and um, to work independently. You're looking at people who can work independently without constant supervision and that kind of thing. Yeah. So there's such a bigger um, consideration, say copyright. Yeah, they're a great copywriter, but unless you're in the same office and managing them, they they can wander, and you know, minds can wander. They don't get so, and um, because, and also because we operate, it's a, a fast service that we operate to, um, and we have to hit 
you know, really tight deadlines every single week and we only have a certain amount of time allocated to each client, otherwise the business wouldn't work. So um, the other, the added complexity of finding people who can work remotely on top of everything else, I guess, has proven more complex than if I was filling an office full of people and I was there every day supervising them physically. Um, so it's been the biggest challenge and continues to be, I guess, the biggest challenge. Resourcing is the biggest challenge. Um, when I first started the business, I wrongly assumed that I would be able to get people who to work for me who were based offshore. Not fully offshore, but I thought I could have a nice kind of mix of mainly offshore people. Um, I actually didn't think that I would be employing people as such. I thought I would bring people in on kind of more freelancer type basis and um, short term contracts. And then the first, I guess, thing that I learned through trial and error and stopped was um, thinking that I could fill the team with offshore people because that didn't work, didn't work. And then secondly, um, freelancing as well. I, I got to a point where I realized that for me to grow a long term business, where quality is one of our biggest um, kind of one of our biggest core values is quality, never letting anyone down, always meeting deadlines and operating to our fast pace. I couldn't run that business on freelancers because mm. they could come, they could go and clients needed to be served every single week. So I cut that out as well. So everyone is an employee of the business. And also because I'm really big on having a team culture um, and to be in it, you know, to be in that team culture as well and um, want this, everyone want the business to succeed and everyone be really good team players. Again, it just didn't really work with people who weren't actually um, employees and had something in it and had uh, as well, you know, incentives in terms of bonuses and holidays and sick pay and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. um, I, I made changes, you know, that's what I've I'm just over two years in, but, you know, I learned these things after the first few months and after the second few months and so on. So, so yeah, the model has changed. People has always been the biggest challenge. Absolutely love my team at the moment. They're amazing. I'd love it if they just stayed forever, which, you know, <laughs> you can't expect at all. But I, I love them and I'm recruiting at the moment. And um, actually just before we jumped on this call, I was, was like deep in CVs, preparing for some interviews later this week as well, actually. So, yeah, it continues to be a challenge. <laughs> I think working with the kind of people you do, they tend to have very high standards. Mm. And I was curious because I imagine initially it was just you. It was easy to control. It was easy to deliver at your level. But the more you grow, the more successful you become, the harder that is. And you're right. I think when you hire people, you think they're going to have the same standards you do. I got caught out by that many, many times. Mm. Uh, and you make excuses and accommodations for people. But at the end of the day, I think you have to go through a lot of trial and error to find the right person. One of the things that really impressed me, and you kind of touched on it there, again, doing my, some people may call it research, some people may call it stalking. Mm -hmm. You started the business in 2017. That's only really a couple of years ago. And yet the clients you work with are some really big hitters in lots of different spaces. How have you done that? What has, has that been strategic? Has that been accidental? Um, I think it it's, has been strategic, actually. Yeah. So um, I I think it's all been around the people that I've been building relationships, really. So as much as 
the online world is brilliant and we meet lots of people through social media and things like that. It's been more the kind of, you know, in-person relationships and the people that I have come become close to and then through networking and really just working with good people and then making sure that other people know that you're working with good people and making sure that, um, you know, and asking for them to let other people know what you do and things like that. And so a lot of my business has been based on referrals. So actually, you know, most of the people who I work with, they didn't find me, nobody's ever found me for anything like a Facebook ad or anything like that, because, you know, it's quite a high price service. So, um, it's, you know, it's a high value service. So it's not really something you would see an ad for and then sign up to anything. So it's been through referrals. And um, I initially started kind of with Chris Ducker as my mentor. Um, I'm trying to think how it worked. I went to a mastermind actually with Chris Ducker and six other people a couple of years ago when it was just an idea. Um, Didn't have a website, didn't have a logo or anything like that. It was just an idea and a whole load of scribbles on paper <laughs> um, and presented the idea. And actually I had mapped everything out and done a few trials with people that I knew. So I knew that everything worked and, and it was well received. And then when I went there and presented the idea, everyone in the room were, you know, really positive. Everybody said, well, I buy it. Everyone seemed to have a podcast or a video and said, God, I'd love to have this. So I got the confirmation I need. And I guess I just continue to maintain relationships with people like Chris and the other people in the room. It was just a really great room that day. And um, turning up at events and making the time to actually speak to the people who are, uh, I've got existing relationships with. And um, yeah, I, I guess maybe just not being afraid to get in touch with people. And as long as I can showcase that I can do what I can do well, and I've got good um, people to back me up on that as well. Um, it, you know, I've just managed to Work with, I'm just really fortunate to have worked with some great people and continue to basically. And in between you sort of starting your own business and really settling in on the content repurposing niche, mm-hmm. was there a period where you were doing the same as everybody else in the digital marketing space where you're just taking what you can get or were you from the beginning really very focused on finding something to make you distinctive? No, my business started as Content 10X and it was only a content repurposing business. So that was my business idea um, to start a content repurposing kind of niched business. So um, no, I've never done that, but I didn't, um, I went from my corporate job to this position. So it's running this business. So there wasn't a business in between, if that makes sense. So otherwise maybe I would have done, but <laughs> well, actually I tell a lie. I did some consultant consultancy online before, but that wasn't based on digital marketing really. That was based on more business mm. um, and just leveraging what I'd learned from my time as a management consultant and helping smaller businesses. But it's from that, that I picked up um, on the idea to start you know, offering repurposing content as something quite specialist. But really, we are a creative agency. It's just that we have a specialism. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really interesting because that niching process for, for many people, I would say most, it takes a long time because it, it can be a painful process. I guess looking at the content repurposing side of things, I know how hard it is. I'm 
I think anybody who is running an online business, an agency of any kind, even if they're great at doing it for their clients, they'll be terrible at doing it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Are there any, and there are probably, there's, there's no one answer to this question, but what would be the single one most effective thing that would make the subsequent repurposing of content much, much easier? Well, I think it's a really tough question because I mean, I, I mean, I think like it, it sounds obvious, but you need to have really quality content to begin with. So you need to focus a lot of time and effort into that core piece of content being really high quality because it isn't about quantity of content it's always about quality and that's the only way that people are going to warm to you and and, you know engage with you and start to follow you you'll become somebody's favorite you need to put out quality content so I think to start with you know you could have the best repurposing system and processes in the world but if you repurpose in poor quality content and you know you're trying to extract a a great quote or a great um like video clip from a poor piece of content well everything that comes out of it is not going to be great either is it because you just repurposing poor quality content into further bits of poor quality content and so I think you need to kind of really focus on what um what's going to be the core piece of content and making that really really good and then from that the content that you repurpose it into stands the best chance of being good quality content as well but I think you know if you you need to think before you create the content, what are you going to repurpose it into as well? So that you can be bearing that in mind when you're creating the content. So um, it shouldn't be an afterthought. You shouldn't create a great piece of content and then think to yourself, "Hmm, you know, what will I repurpose this into? It's best to actually think, okay, I'm going to create this really great uh, video, let's say, and then I'm going to extract the audio from that and turn that into a podcast episode and I'm also going to create a blog post and some teasers and things like that because if you know what you're going to turn it into instead of it being an afterthought you've already given that consideration in terms of how you present the content and and if you are doing a video it's going to be audio you you think a little bit more about what you say because you're thinking about listeners as well as viewers and things like that so I think it's focusing this is two things but focusing on making it as quality as you can as the core piece of content and then not letting it be an afterthought but having thought in advance what you're going to create it into so that everything flows a lot more smoothly when you do repurpose it because it was built for more than one purpose if that makes sense that makes a lot of sense and i think one of the challenges with content marketing in general is the production of high quality content is very time consuming and at the back of your mind, you're thinking that's an awful lot of work just for it to sit on a YouTube channel and for nobody to ever see it. Mm. And so if you start with repurposing in mind and you plan that into the content production process, then your return on investment for that content is much, much higher. And certainly that's been one of the barriers in my own content is, is thinking it's just not going to get the, the mileage. And you're right by planning in repurposing from the beginning you can achieve that mileage and the reach for your content and it makes it that much more worth doing. Yeah. And I think, 
I would say that when I speak to people about um, repurposing content, the actual concept of repurposing your content, it's not exactly a hard concept to sell. Because like you said, you're basically saying we're maximizing the return on all the time and effort that you're putting into pieces of content by getting more mileage from it, getting more from it. But the funny things that people will say to me, so many times people will say, oh, you know, it sounds great, all of that but I'm so busy working on the next episode that I can't even think of repurposing this one. And then I, my view of that perspective is that you're kind of so busy on pushing out new content that you're not thinking about how to get as much value and as many people to consume. And it's not just about consuming the core content. It's just about getting a message in front of people, however they consume it. And so say you're always on this hamster wheel of the next video or the next podcast episode well maybe the hamster wheel there needs to slow down and maybe actually the video or the podcast should go out every two weeks instead of every week and the five hours a week that you put into the podcast one week well the next week don't put that five hours into the next episode put that five hours into repurposing the one from the week before and then you know do it in that way so maybe you should reduce your frequency but then enhance how much more you are going to get from each episode so it's it it's kind of frustrating to hear when people are only ever focused on pushing out the next one pushing out the next one pushing out the next one but not how many people can benefit from this one how many people can benefit from this one and it's just getting the the um the balance right i think i do think you should be putting out new new quality content on a consistent basis but that consistency doesn't have to be twice a week or weekly it's more about just making sure you're consistent but you also get the most out all the time that you're putting into it i think that makes a lot of sense one area i'd quite like to explore is obviously everything that i see on on the surface of content 10x is really a done for you service and it's a very niche very focused obviously profitable done for you service to deliver and you mentioned there's a book out there on the horizon somewhere but have you explored productizing any elements of your business yeah so basically what's the next stage for the business is that I have a book coming out in the end, later end of the summer. I've not got a date yet. It's going to be either late August or early September. And um, we've also got a toolkit coming out as well. So it's for people who um, may want our service but aren't ready budget-wise yet for the service, or perhaps they already have um, an in-house team, but they'd like the team to be more savvy with content repurposing. And it's um, it's basically a product. So it's going to be a one-off product, a toolkit that people can buy that will help them to put in place all the systems and the processes and things like that. So the idea is that you can read the book to learn all about content, content repurposing. Um, you can get the toolkit to help you or your team implement everything in the book. And then if you'd like us to do it for you, then you can get you know, in touch with us for the service. So um, that's the next step for the business, really. The book, the toolkit, and, and the service will stay as it is, yeah. And how much capacity do you have 
to grow the business? Do you want to grow it? Do you like it as it is? I don't want to have hundreds of clients or anything like that um, because we are very, I guess, when you know, we're quite a boutique type agency. Um, but I certainly plan to try and, and double the clients that we have in the next 12 months, 12 to 18 months or so. But I don't have any uh, vision of having like a huge team, you know, like 20, 30 people working for me and, and hundreds of clients or anything like that. Um, I still like to keep it fairly small and just really focused on just delivering quality and making a big difference to, you know, a small, smallish number of clients, which is why I love the book and I love the toolkit because that means we can reach more people. And so looking at the book specifically, I mean, it's a bit of a leap for me to go to talking about growth back to the book again, but I Mm -hmm. always have to ask anybody that's writing a book, what, does the process that you've gone through look like for that? Obviously you're not finished yet. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm I'm nearly done. (laughs) Um, I've written it, the first version of it, but I'm going through some edits now that my, uh, who I'm person that my copy editor's got back to me on. But um, so really it's funny because I decided to write the book. I was about a year on from doing my podcast and um, every podcast has a fairly longish form blog post. So I had 50 odd uh, blog posts and at a certain point last year, I decided I was writing the book and had started to plan out what the book would look like, what the chapters and the sections would look like. And I wanted to repurpose many of the blog posts into the book, not in any way word for word, but just taking them and then expanding on them and adding more to them, but using them as the base for each chapter that was relevant to that. So I was able to do a bit of a gap type analysis and because I'd planned out what I wanted in the book, I could see where I hadn't done a podcast episode on something that I wanted in the book or, um, you know, I, I hadn't done any blog content on. So I started to do podcasts and blogs and things like that on things that I knew were going to ultimately go into the book. So I was able to address gaps in my own content. Um, And then I think I, I guess, foolishly thought that I could get all these different blog posts and put them into the various chapters that they were in, do a little bit of wordsmithing, add a little bit more and, you know, well, no, it hasn't worked like that at all. So I actually, because you come back to things that you've written and the world changed and your opinions grown a little bit and, um, and uh, you know, you want to expand way, you know, you, you 10 times that blog post because there's so much more to say on it and stuff. So it became an awful lot more, but um, the the process was deciding what the key sections were going to be, deciding what the key chapters were going to be, looking at where I already had content that could at least go into those chapters and then growing on all of them um, and expanding on all of them and um, then deciding on extra things that I could put in as well, like case studies and things like that. Um, so yeah, that's the process and that's the place where I'm at, at the moment. I've written the book. I'm going through a second edit, adding in case studies and then hopefully we'll be there. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see it. I think you oh, should do very you. well because it is, honestly, it's probably the biggest pain point mm. for anybody in content marketing is getting an effective return on the investment and repurposing is where that return lies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, hopefully it will be well received because I'm really try to uh, make sure it's just a really high value and there's absolutely no fluff whatsoever in it it's just mm. a really there's no kind of 
half of the book isn't about any kind of life stories of me or anything <laughs> like that. There's literally nothing about me in it. It's, it's just, it is, you know, kind of textbook type com- uh, book really about yeah. um, the handbook. Yeah, it is. It's a handbook. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I wish you all the success with that. Oh, Amy, if people you. want to connect with you, how would you like them to do that? So really just to go to my website, content10x.com, because everything is there from all my social media links as well. I'm on all the platforms. But if you headed to content10x.com, then that's where you can find me and all the links to social as well. Amy Woods from Content 10X, thank you so much for your time. You've been a fantastic guest, very generous with your knowledge. Um, Good luck with the book when it comes out. And thank you very much. Oh, thank you for having me on. It's been great. So thank you. Amy has achieved in a couple of years what others take a decade to pull off. She's done that by masterminding well, building a solid network of peers and being very deliberate about saying no to things which aren't right in her sweet spot. We all know how hard that is to do, but Amy and Content 10X are proof of why it's just so important. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe to the show and if you haven't already, then to join our Facebook group. You can find a link from the website to bobgentle.com or just search Gravity Digital Marketing in Facebook and you'll find us easily. If you enjoyed the show, then I'd love for you to review it on iTunes. It would mean a lot to me and it's the very best way to help me reach more subscribers. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Amy for giving us her time this week and to you for listening and see you next time.